Now let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac weighing heavily on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue and ready for the play. And boom, Onyejo Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good. The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is Hypnotic and Tequila season. Hypnotic Liquor, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. Welcome to NBA Today with Malika Andrews, live from Los Angeles. Coming up on NBA Today, James Harden, he did not show up to 76ers practice today. So what happens now? We have the latest out of Philadelphia and one player who did show up last night, Zion Williamson. Are his expectations too high heading into the season? Big perk. He has some big thoughts. Plus, the new look Bucks, they squared off against the Young Thunder. But what's more likely to happen, another Giannis MVP or a Chet Rookie of the Year? NBA Today starts right now. Welcome to NBA Today. She is Ramona Shelburne. We are graced by the presence of one Mr. Richard Jefferson. (laughs) I'm Malika Andrews. Richard. Yes. You came to work today. Well, yes. In a three-piece suit, no less. Well, because uh, people have been telling me recently that I should dress for the job I want, and so here I am. And it's, so, it's here. Here, so here I am. coffee bar. at noon. Yeah, but I'm drinking. I drink coffee in the middle of the night. Like, <laughs> drink coffee matter. all day, every day. We appreciate you showing up. Someone who didn't show up today, James Harden, on the oh, other hand, oh, oh. was a no-show at Sixers practice this morning. Harden has yet to play in a game this preseason, although on Friday he did say he was ramping up in hopes to play in Philadelphia's final exhibition game. That's Friday against the Hawks. Now, there's obviously much more in doubt at this point. Let's take a listen to Joel Embiid and Nick Nurse moments ago. Wait, uh, I don't know. Uh, maybe he has something to do. Uh, uh, no, I'm not sure. No, I mean, listen, I think I, I stay with, um, you know, if he's here, we go, and if he's not here, we go, right? We got work to do. I'm still going on what he said the last time we talked to him, right, that he was going to ramp up and get ready to play Friday, so we'll see how it goes. Yeah. I didn't I didn't know if anything was going on because, you know, he's been here, so he wasn't here today, so obviously I think he probably had something important uh, to do or something came up. Things come up. Something came up. Brian Windhorst is here with us as well. Ramona, I want to start with you here. James Harden is not with the 76ers, so, so where is he? Oh, he's in Houston. Houston? And he's been in Houston for the last three days. Really? He's been in Houston for the last three days. So why is he taking this tact now? Well, I, I think with James Harden, this is what you do when you do not have other moves to make. He is very upset. He continues to be very frustrated that the Sixers have not engaged and have not made any progress towards trading him to the Los Angeles Clippers. And when he looks at a you know, source close to him, basically said, you know, don't mistake his kindness for weakness. Like he is a guy who has shown up, tried to be professional throughout this, but that was only to give them time to negotiate a trade. He's not happy with where the trade negotiations are, and so therefore he is not in Philadelphia. He is in Houston at home. You always got to be wary of someone that you almost feel has nothing to lose. Like James Harden has shown his year and after he will do whatever it takes. If that means turning down being the highest paid player in NBA history, he'll do that. If that means leaving Brooklyn with the biggest extension on the table, He'll do that. He's going to do uh, kind of the unimaginable. And he, well, it doesn't matter if it's a fat suit. So for him to say, hey, look, I'm going to be a professional until it's time for me to move on. I don't, I didn't know he was in Houston. But to me, this just says, hey, look, we've, I've played the game. I've done my things. What are you guys going to do right now? And for me, 
Joel Embiid, he was saying all the right things, but if I'm Philly, I'm worried about well, Joel. What, what did we do? When, when he came to camp, we said, okay, that was day one. Yeah. Well, what's day two, day three? Well, day two and day three and day four went pretty well. But now this is an escalation in tactics. This is, I am not happy, and this is, and somebody close to him told me, this is only the beginning of what he plans to do here. This is the, only the beginning. This is only the beginning of what he plans Ooh. to do here. And now we are six days away, Brian Windhorst, from the start of the regular season. What do you make of all of this? Yeah, well, this is the what James Harden has done in the past, and he's generally gotten what he's wanted, whether it was back when he wanted a certain contract from the Oklahoma City Thunder. They ended up trading him to the Rockets. He wanted to go from the Rockets to Brooklyn. He got that trade done. He wanted to go from Brooklyn to Philadelphia. He got that trade done. Um, he has had success with holding services or, or taking a hard line. It was frankly surprising that he came to camp at all, considering nothing had changed and what he had said over the summer about Daryl Morey and his intention to play for the Sixers. It was surprising, quite frankly, last Friday when he said he would probably play in this preseason game on this Friday, the last preseason game, indicating he was ready to play, put on a uniform and play. That was not the way he's operated in the past. This is how he's operated in the past. Like I said, his track record is he's got what he's wanted. He has faced very little to no repercussions for it. And so from his perspective, this move makes sense. He's gotten uh, rewarded for this and the downside is minimal and including the fact that he has already been paid mm. half of his salary. He's gotten an advance on 41 game salary. He's at $18 million in his bank account. They can try to find him, but he's got that money. So Harden is in position here. He has not been punished by the league in the past uh, appreciably for taking this stance and so he is taking something that you know in game theory he probably should take again. So Ramona you're saying we're only going to see this potentially escalate from here and so the question then becomes okay with this new CBA what happens there if James Harden continues to sit out our Bobby Marks weighed in on social media just to explain this a little bit to make sure everybody understands that James Harden could be subjected to a fine of over $380,000 for every preseason and regular season game he misses without the consent of the team. So the fine would fall under the quote failure to render services. There's also a minimal fine. It starts at 2500 bucks for missing practice. Is James Harden willing to take all of that on, Ramona? Well, I think this is the beginning of an escalation where, to where I think his, his feeling really is if they're going to make him show up at practice, like he's made his position clear. He has not spoken to Daryl Morey. He is not planning to speak to Daryl Morey ever again. Like this is his stance has not changed. All he did was show up and participate for a, a, a week or so. Right. And so the and, question, right. And, and now he's home because we're approaching the regular season and he doesn't want to play on this team. And though they, if you want this trade to go through, mm -hmm. this is the way you escalate tactics to try to get this trade to go through. The Clippers thus, thus far, they've been engaging in conversations with the, with the 76ers, but they don't want to put in and bid against themselves. The Terrence Mann is a name that continues to come up, but the, the conversations and the gap between those two teams is not closing. Right, so that begs the question, where do we go from there? For more on that, I want to bring in our senior NBA insider, Adrian Wojnarowski. Woj, with Harden now away from the team, is there any impact on the timeline of a trade request coming to fruition here? Uh, look, I, I think there's a lot less uh, impact on the fact that Harden is away from the Sixers uh, than the fact that this remains a one-team trade market mm. for James Harden. I think the Sixers expected that this is how it would play out. They've seen this before with James Harden, uh, and I, it wasn't a great mystery of how he would proceed if he didn't have a trade once 
Uh, camp started once the season got closer. And I think the plan all along was if he didn't participate or if he participated in a half-hearted way, uh, then they wouldn't play him. And so he's made that decision easy for him the last few days by not coming in at all. But you look at other trade situations in recent years uh, what, where, where, team, where people thought maybe, hey, there is just this one team. You know, Donovan Mitchell, well, it's got to be the Knicks. Well, it ended up being the Cleveland Cavaliers uh, because they jumped in. Same thing with Damian Lillard. Uh, in other trade situations, right now there's just one team for James Harden. That's the Clippers. And that's what has slowed this down. The Clippers are, are trying to not bid against themselves. The Sixers continue to have a high asking price for Harden. And I think if you're the 76ers and you want that Clippers trade to improve, a trade offer to improve, mm -hmm. or you want other teams to get involved in this, your thought is to wait till the season starts, see if there's an injury out there somewhere, see if there's a team that's underachieving, uh, that jumps in there with the Clippers. That's not happening now. And so I think uh, the idea that Harden is not with the team uh, is probably not gonna be necessarily the impetus that speeds this up. Okay. It's going to be, is there any point where there's another team besides Los Angeles Clippers that is going to create a marketplace for James Harden? Not necessarily the impetus that speeds things up. Woj, thank you so very much. Before we head to break, Richard, I want to get your final thoughts now that we've heard from Woj on, on the reality here. Well, Woj brought out some very good points. He said, look, you know, Donovan Mitchell went to Cleveland, right? Dame Lillard ended up going to Milwaukee. The difference is none of them are James Harden. And if we're going to compare the personalities of Donovan Mitchell, Dame Lillard, and James Harden, they are very three different individuals. James Harden will go to places that we have never seen before, and we've seen it over the course of his career. So, yes, while those were their demands and they went, ended up going to different places, I think this situation is very different. You don't want to get in a guy and then try and convince, especially someone with the history of James Harden. Absolutely. We're going to get into this much more on our show, including Kendrick Perkins joining us with his thoughts still to come on NBA Today, though, is Zion Williamson under the most pressure coming into the season. Also, we have a huge game four tonight in New York. Chenea Gumake, she joins us live from Barclays Centers with how the Liberty can force a game five. It's going to be an interesting game, Rich. I'm oh. excited to see it go down. Do you think they can do it? Well, look, look there's been teams that have done never, things that have never been done in finals history before, so we'll see. No Chelsea Gray in this winning. one. We're going to have an injury update for you there as well. Speaking of, we are six days away from opening nights. We're going to take a look at the top six teams in each conference, all that and so much more. NBA Today will be right back. Now let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac weighing heavily on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue and ready for the play. And boom, Onyejo Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good. The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is Hypnotic and Tequila season. Hypnotic Liquor, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play.
Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. Welcome back to NBA Today. We have no choice. It's win or go home, so I'm excited to see how we're, we're going to respond in Game 3. Stewart reverses it in. Tough finish. Jones left alone. Ionescu, she got it. We came up and we, we showed what we can do. We know that we have our crowd behind us and continue to fight. The Aces, they're going to be without two of their starters tonight after Chelsea Gray and Kia Stokes both sustained injuries in Game 3 against the New York Liberty. Gray, who has not missed a game all season, has had a huge impact on this team, having scored or assisted on almost 35% of the Aces' points this season. Here's what she had to say about missing tonight's matchup. As a competitor, obviously I want to play. And, um, you know, you get to the finals and... A lot of you don't get this time back, so it's like sucks in that way. But I mean, I'm excited still, like to win a championship. In the playoffs, we haven't been whole for a long time. Um, I mean, Candace has been out. Uh, People have been out. Like we haven't had like a full and a whole roster that we started off with since the beginning. So kind of built for this moment. The Aces, they have just six players who have played at least 50 minutes this postseason, and two of them, they're going to be out tonight in Chelsea Gray and Kia Stokes. Both Gray and Stokes, they played all 40 regular season games and all eight playoff games up until this point. So joining us live from Barclays Center, the one and only Chine Gumake, who you can also catch tonight on WNBA Countdown. But Chine, how did the Aces adapt here to being down two starters? First of all, it's crazy in here. You guys are missing out. We've got Joel Santana. We've got Jim Jones really rehearsing for halftime. But they are going to absolutely miss Chelsea Gray. And I think the first obvious answer is who's your next point guard up? It could be Jackie Young, who played point guard at Notre Dame. It could be Kelsey Plum, who played point guard at Washington, who actually played against her when she was running the point. And I think she's your answer because she's had her best WNBA Finals run so far, averaging 26 points per game. And she just really feels like she's playing her best version of basketball right now. This team is so good that even though they're down two starters, they can still really win the game. They can clinch a championship, but it will be a positional switch for her, Mm. and we'll see if she's able to still hunt shots while also rehearse the offense. And then on the other side, Chanae, the Liberty, what do they need to do in order to force a game five? Look, they got to do everything, and exactly what they did in Game 3, honestly, was just making three-point shots. That was their identity. And every time Brianna Stewart caught the ball, this entire arena was yelling, MVP, MVP, and she played up to that award that she won not too long ago. But watch these three-point shots. Sabrina off of the inbounds right here. You sag off, you have to make these shots wide open in the WNBA Finals. This was my favorite right here. The 360 pirouette by Stewie. And then, of course, JJ is one of the best also shooting threes. I mean, end a shot clock. You have a stretch five, you have a stretch four, and you have a whole bunch of snipers around the perimeter. They're at home. That means they're comfortable with this arena. That means they're comfortable with their shot, and they will have to shoot their shot again to force a game five. Well, the Liberty, they also felt like they kicked their defense up a notch the last game. Shanae, thank you so much for taking some time, for hanging with us here on NBA Today. We will watch you tonight on the broadcast and then come back to us soon, but it looks like it's a party out there in Barclays Center. You can watch it all go down tonight. 
Game 4, the best of five WNBA Finals, 8 Eastern on ESPN and the app. The Countdown crew, including Chanae, will get coverage started at 8 o'clock Eastern. Still to come on NBA Today, we have to get back to the top story of the day in the NBA. What happens now that James Harden didn't show up to Sixers practice? And how does this impact Joel Embiid's future with the franchise? And through Holiday and the New Look Celtics, they look to be in mid-season form already last night. But are they the team to beat in the East? Richard Jefferson and Kendrick Perkins, they rank the top six teams in both conferences. Press, it's time. Get your wallet out. Get your money out. We're going to give you the best bets heading into the regular season. NBA Today will be right back. Don't listen to Perk. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. You're watching NBA Today. I'm a competitor, so when I'm on the court, I'm not thinking about, let me lay this ball in. No, I'm thinking about putting that person through the rim. Welcome back to NBA Today. Back here with the director of Ambiance. Yes, you are. Richard Jefferson. After missing the final 45 games last season, Zion Williamson has played in all four preseason games. So let's check out how he golf did clap. last night. Golf clap. This might deserve even a little bit more than a golf clap because the, the Pelicans, they were taking on Paolo Bancaro Ooh. and the Orlando Magic. And one if you remember, Richard, yeah. on October 19th, so just a, a couple of days ago, Paolo Bancaro did this. He blew past Zion Williamson Ooh. and just over Jonas Valanciunas like he had no regard for who was beneath the ring. Hey, hey Zion, you got to prove you're that dude every so, day. So, speaking of that, he Ooh. said, I remember this. Oh, no, sir. You can't keep your hands in the cookie jar. Mm-hmm. Gets out in transition and throws it down with authority. Look, that's the thing. I watched Paolo go against Kevin Durant. These top picks, these guys that are in this space, they love to compete against each other. It's good to see Zion show up because he's going to have a target on his back. Not because he's Zion Williamson, but because he has a chance to be great. But he said, you know, in case you thought that was a fluke, Paolo, let me just pick your pocket one more time. Paolo had two turnovers in the game. Those were it. Zion, five steals in the first half. Honestly, I'm going to say that turnover wasn't on Paolo. I think that was just a bad uh, pass from our guy and former number one pick also. So a lot of number one picks in this game. A lot of number one picks in this game. Uh, Zion just discarding the defender there. 
comes back. He had 16 points on six of eight shooting in this one, Rich. Yeah, we love this for him, but let me say this. There's not a person that watches basketball that is surprised by this. His ability is, his ability is not the question. His availability is. This is what we've wanted to see from Zion. He has played in 114 regular season games over four NBA seasons while missing 194 games in this same time. He did play in all four Pelicans preseason games this year, as we mentioned, though. So I do want to welcome into the show our resident big man, Kendrick Perkins, to the conversation. Because, Perk, yesterday on our show, you had a big list of big players with the most big things to prove, something like that. And Zion Williamson ranked number one on your list. So what do you think his expectations should be mm -hmm. going into this season? I don't know. What, <laughs> what are your expectations for him, Malika? Seriously, and that's the question that we need to be asking ourselves. What are our expectations for Zion Williamson? Like, he came out of high, he came out of college and he was on the same level in the same conversation as LeBron and Victor Wembanyama before his top prospects to ever come out. And all of a sudden, he has fallen, right? And so now I'm starting to like say, you know what? We need to stop putting him in that conversation of actually being the face of the league or being quote unquote, you know, that guy. He still could be a franchise player, but is he a top tier player? And I think that's what Zion Williamson have to go out there and prove this season, not only to us and the fans, but himself. I think the expectation is to be available and to be on the floor. Is 65 games too high? History would say yes, but I think that that, that really, for me, is where the expectation but, needs to be set. But Malika, think about this for a second. We just watched Victor Wimbenyamba yep. stay in San Antonio, right, throughout the entire offseason. Sure. Those are the things that you want to see out of your franchise guy and the guy that you have so much high expectations for. Yeah. That's what you want to see. And, and you know, the offseason, we see that translate to the regular season, how players spend it. Zion Williamson has said that he is more committed now. Yeah. We'll see how it translates on the floor. I said it at 65 games. Perk, thank you so very much. I do want to stick in the West here. The Clippers, they took on the defending champions across the street in the preseason. I feel like I have to say that every time. We thank you. Say something like that. Paul George was impressive in his 18 minutes of play. He scored 23 points, 9 of 13 shooting from the field. He finished with a plus 16 on the court, the best of any player on both teams. The Clippers, they beat the Nuggets. Doesn't really matter because it's a preseason. It's not about the final result. It's about the lineups, and that's what I want to take a little bit of a, a closer look at here, Richard. Yes, no, look, look, obviously we saw the impact that Russell Westbrook had once he showed up in L.A., but there's more things that people don't fully understand, and look, we're going to get into this, and uh, my iPad is going to break it down for you. Now watch, play. Watch where Russell Westbrook is right now. He's sitting there. He's the best rebounding guard, pound for pound, that we've ever seen. Now, I'm going to pause it real quick. There are three players behind Russell Westbrook right now. The, the, uh, the Clippers were bottom third in pace last year. So what does he do? He speeds up their pace. Now, watch this. He speeds up, speeds up the pace, gets going, gets them an easy layup. This is something that forces defenses to sink, and you're going to see it again when the defense starts sinking. Now, again, he grabs the rebound, three players behind him. What does he do? We're going to take his time. He goes into the back down. Now, I'm going to pause it. Now, Justin Holiday, that's my bro. I don't know what you were doing, big guy, but look at what he does. It is 20 seconds on the clock. Russell Westbrook is already in the paint, and he's got shooters. This is what he didn't have in L.A. He didn't have shooters around him. Now you got Kawhi. Now you got uh, you got uh, Paul George. You have shooters all around him. Now you have to pay attention to what he's doing a little bit more. Like I said, 20 seconds on the clock. Mm -hmm. Continue. Now what are you doing? 
Look at this shot that Paul George. Now, Justin, what are you doing, bro? What are you doing? What, what are you sucking? This is Paul George. He's a Hall of Famer. Why are you out? Why are you in here? Especially on Russell's post-up. This is Paul George, and then you're going to see what happens. He's forced to close out. He's forced to close out, and now Paul George, this is just easy money for him. So what he gets for these guys are easy shots, and the ancillary players too, because with that pace, it allows for other guys. You don't worry about Kawhi or Paul George getting shots. Now look at this. With Russell on the floor last wow. year, they would have ranked second in pace. Overall, in the entire season, they were 21st in pace. So they're really probably about 25th in pace, and then he showed up and bumped them up to 21st. So, Russell Westbrook is going to be a huge impact for what the Clippers are trying to do. And that's not even enough. We all know there's a certain name that they're trying to add into that mix. Huh. And if you add him into that mix and get some easy shots for these future four Hall of Famers, the Clippers could be an absolute problem. See, this is what I love about the preseason. You start to get little glimpses of what we could start to see in the regular season. Those weren't the only two games that went down last night. The only two stars that we saw, Chet Holmgren. He got his first taste against the two-time MVP How to taste. last How to night, taste. Richard. <laughs> he had his moment. He got some of that Greek tzatziki. How was that? <laughs> Chet Holmgren, he blows past Robin Lopez, the other Lopez brother. He would say the superior Lopez brother. But then Giannis, watch this. He just discards no. Chet Holmgren. Well, and that's what's going to happen. And respectfully, that's what people were doing to Giannis when he first showed up into the league. That is so a great point. It's, about, it's a matter of how much you can grow. But look at that block. That's uh, uh, a different player because he's defensively he's a problem and offensively he's a problem. And then Giannis, we know he's a problem all over the floor. Chet, I mean, he put it in his chest and just bullied his way to the ball. And this is when, when you're Victor, when you're Chet, you realize, like, oh, wait, I do have to get stronger because I want to be better than Giannis. I want to be one of the best players in this league. And the only way for me to do that is to add strength and add skill and add basketball IQ. One of the things, though, that makes Chet special is his ability to hit down the three like we just saw. But Giannis, he has been working on that shot this summer. I watched him probably practice it 100 times in in a workout the other day. He has been getting into his bag, but Shea Gildas-Alexander, again, this is what makes Chet special. You can kick it out to the corner, and he's going to hit that. Well, he's going to hit that, and when you have Shea on your team, you're going to get open shots because he commands so much attention. It was fun to get a first taste of what these guys could look like going head-to-head. -head. We, we got a little preview of Chet versus Giannis last night, Perk, but so what do you think is more likely here? Giannis winning a third MVP or Chet winning Rookie of the Year this year? I know it's been a lot of noise about Wimby, but I'm going with Chet winning Rookie of the Year because his impact and what he's going to bring on both sides of the floor. And Richard, you know this, and I'm being serious. When you're away from the game and you're sidelined with an injury, especially for an entire season, you miss the game so much. And going through, and what's going, what goes on through your head is saying, you know what? When I get back, I'm never taking this moment for granted. That's what I see out of Chet Holmgren right now. I see this guy's playing with a great joy, great passion. We already know he had the skill set, and he's going to elevate the Oklahoma City Thunder this season and get them into the postseason. No, and really quickly, I'm going to add to Perk's point. If you're around Chad, and I've had a few conversations with him, he has an intensity and an edge to him. He has a, a very intense, and when you're mm -hmm. away from the game and you're hearing everybody talk about all these other guys and other people are winning rookie of the year, and then Victor's coming in, Chet has a hunger to him. He has a he has a fight to him that I don't think a lot of people know. But for me, my pick is Giannis. Why? Because there's no clear-cut person, in my opinion, that that is better 
than Giannis. There's not. Like, there's guys that are on the same level. But I think with Chet and Victor, I think Victor is a clear kind of, you know, betting favorite. He's this and that. And Chet is a person that is my pick to win Rookie of the Year. But I think most likely this season is a better chance of Giannis winning an MVP, and especially coming off the motivation of what happened last year yep. and that type of motivation for a player of Giannis's hunger. But I think Chet, you're right. Chet has the chance to win a rookie of the year, but there is a clear person that is slightly above him. I don't think that there's anybody slightly above Giannis if we're going to start the season for MVP. We've talked about the arms race in the Eastern Conference, and if the Bucks want to come out on top, yes, they got Damian Lillard, but it starts with the tone that Giannis Attentacumpo sets, particularly if they want to beat the Boston Celtics. And speaking of coming up on our show, the Celtics, they played all of their core players last night. They had a new starting lineup, but what's their best five-man lineup? We're going to answer that when we come back. Time will tell. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back to NBA Today. Let's go! Celtics at the Knicks. Boston played their full lineup. The Knicks, they didn't have Brunson, no Randall, no Barrett. Uh, Al Horford didn't actually start in this one, but this was the, the five they rolled out with Rich. Kristaps Porzingis. Oh, they showing three. out. Look, let me just say this. These boys are showing out. It's impressive. I like what the Boston Celtics are going to look like. I have Porzingis on my number one my number one list, mainly because I think he needs to show that he is the missing piece. They got rid of the Defensive Player of the Year and Marcus Smart. They've changed their lineup. They've added this man. He is supposed to be the missing piece. Now the Celtics just cruising. Jason Tatum takes it all the way up to the cup. But watch this, Richard. Drew Holiday, is that a nutmeg on Evan Fournier? Yeah, but again, when we talk about Drew Holiday, Drew Holiday is one of the five best players on this team. Uh, sooner or later, they're going to figure it out, and they're just going to have to play the man because he's special. Peyton Pritchard, fresh off getting paid. He nails the three there. And then Jason Tatum doing what he does, hits the deep three there. And then once again, Peyton Pritchard draws the defense, lobs it up to Porzingis for the jam. Porzingis had 20 points, eight rebounds, two blocks. Holiday, 10 points, seven rebounds. Celtics get the win. Brian Windhorse is back with us as well now. So the Celtics, they, they went a little bit smaller last night. Tatum was at the four. Horford came off the bench. Is there a clear answer, Brian, on who is starting for Boston? No, Joe Mazzullo's been throwing some curveballs to us. He's used different lineups in all of these games. And I'm not going to focus so much on who's starting. 
I'm focusing on the style of play because bef even before they made the Drew Holiday trade, they made a big decision, and that was to trade for Chris Epps Porzingis so they could both play big and shoot threes. Look at this progression. That 37 is the last year. 37 threes a game is the last year when Ime Udoka was the head coach. Last year, Joe Mazzula plays more of a guard-heavy lineup, turns it up. Look at the preseason. That would be on pace for the NBA record for threes in a game. Look, last night their starting lineup took 33 pointers and none of them played more than 30 minutes. This is how the Celtics want to play. They want to play big with defense and they want to shoot three pointers. They are going to potentially threaten that Houston Rockets record this year, guys, because not only are we going to see Porzingis jacking them up, we're going to see more Peyton Pritchard, who they believe in, coming off of their bench. And this is the type of game, 120 points with their starters only playing three quarters, that the Celtics want to play this year, showing their offensive teeth. Well, look, we had a conversation with Steve Kerr uh, just a couple of days ago, and he said, look, I brought in my top six guys and said, hey, look, if we're going to do something special, there's going to be not everyone's going to start and not everyone's going to finish the game. But let's not let, let's let's address the elephant in the room. And I think Steve Kerr is one of the best coaches in NBA history. I think Joe Mazzula has a chance to be a great coach in this league. So he's got to bring these guys in and say, hey, look, we have a lot of talent. The only way we win a championship is all of us are pushing together. That means some people are going to start. That means some people aren't going to finish. So we're going to find out how committed the Boston Celtics are to being a championship team, and that means selfishness. So forget, forget about who's starting for a second. Perk, what's Boston's best five-man lineup here? You know what? It's, it's, with the, it's the lineup that they had last night with Porzingis, Drew Holiday, Derek White, um, Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum. And at times when you're closing the game, you actually, depending on who's doing better, you actually could roll with Al Horford at the five and actually mix in Peyton Pritchard for Derek White. At the end of the day, I feel like this lineup right here with Drew Holiday, White, Brown, Tatum, and Porzingis is the lineup that's going to close games. And let me say this real quick. Starting in the NBA, you never take it for granted, but it's so overrated. It's like when you want to be in there, it's when it's in the thick of things in the fourth quarter. It's a possession by possession. The crowd is into it. It's intense. I started, uh, you know, every game in 2008, and I played average like 28 minutes a game, but I was never in there in the fourth quarter. Doc would go small with James Posey and Kevin Garnett, and I used to like wonder, like, Forget having your name called. That's the time that you actually want to be in the moment. It's in the fourth quarter. So it's about who finished the game to me. Well, we're going to see who Joe Missoula puts in in the fourth quarter in, in just a week because the regular season, it tips off on Tuesday night. Our first NBA doubleheader is Wednesday on ESPN and the app. The Celtics are going to be at Madison Square Garden squaring off against the Knicks. Then it's out to San Antonio for the regular season debut of Victor Wembenyama. Richard's going to be on the call for that. It all starts with NBA Countdown. Oh, it gets started. We're only six days away, Rich, Ooh. from tip-off. So we're going to rank our top six teams in both conferences. Plus, Tyler Fulgham, he's going to join the show to show you how to make some money, money, money. We'll be right back. Miami down 110 to 108. Here's James against Iguodala. Three seconds to go. Three for the win. Yes! I feel confident because I'm the best player in the world. It's simple.
We are six days away from the NBA regular season, so it's the perfect time to predict the six teams in the Eastern Conference to make the playoffs avoid the play-in. Does avoid have any in it? Well, it does today. Richard Jefferson, who do you got? All right, let me show you my top six. In no particular order, okay, people? These are my top six teams. Yes, New York Knicks fans, I have you in this. I believe the Boston Celtics, the Cleveland Cavaliers, the Milwaukee Bucks, and the Miami Heat are my top six teams. Block this, because I don't know what's going to happen with this group. So, this is, it, like, like, as one of our colleagues would say, the list is fluid. It's fluid. It's Stephen fluid. A would say it's fluid. It's fluid. The list so, is fluid. this is my list. I think these are the top teams. Anybody that's fighting on their way up, and some of these teams, some of these teams, if they don't do well, they can be on the outside of the six looking in. I'm not saying any names. I'm just standing here. All right, so that's the East. What about Kendrick Perkins? Your thoughts on Richards in no particular order list? <laughs> You know what? I know, you know, this over the last couple of days, there's been a lot of hee-heeing and ha-haing about me messing up monotonous, the word of the day. <laughs> it's monotonous. But you know, I actually want a word of the day right now. Right now, I'm mean, whatever it is. Whatever it is, I'm a whatever, okay? But the word of the day is coward. And that's what you is, Richard Jefferson. This is a coward list. Why make up a list if you're not going to put it in order? If you're not, that's like going to the paper well, as a player and saying, don't say I, I said it. I can't do any of that stuff. It, I don't, I don't, I don't want to put my name on it. I don't want to put my name on it. So, look, if you go do a list, you got to do it the right way. I mean, run this here, Malika. Since he's doing the East, I'm going to do the West. If you go do it, you got to put a number on it. And uh, number one, I'm going with the Phoenix Suns. Yes, I am. No disrespect to the Denver Nuggets, but and Bradley Bill, that's why I'm going with the Phoenix Suns at number one. I got the champions in the Denver Nuggets number two, the Lakers number three, the Sacramento Kings number number four, Golden State at five, and Oklahoma City at six. That's amazing, because I remember just last week when we were he and Han, remember the Sacramento Kings weren't in one of his top five offenses, even though they had the best offense, but he hasn't been the top four. So but, what? Okay. So what? Okay. So what? Okay. So you, what? Bro, bro. So what? What, bro, do, what they got to do with anything? I kind of like OKC why at you, six. You ain't going to do nothing. <laughs> Yeah, go do Let's bring in an adult in the room, me. please. A real expert here, Tyler Fulgham, the ESPN betting analyst, the host of the Daily Wager. Tyler, please help us all. Help us clear this up a little bit. Who do you see as the best value bet? Because we've heard enough from these two no. over here. Yeah, I, I think calling me an adult, Malika, is a stretch. Um, I'm more like RJ and Big Purple. I'll try and being okay, some semblance of you um, to win the West, you know, normalcy to this. <laughs> <laughs> the Lakers. Perk uh, okay. had him number three in the West. They have the fourth shortest odds behind Golden State, um, the Denver Nuggets, and the Phoenix Suns. But me and Perk last year at the trade deadline got laughed at by RJ and plenty of people online by saying this team's going to make it to the playoffs. And not only did they make it after they retooled their roster, they made it all the way to the Western Conference Finals before Nikola Jokic in Denver dispatched them. Now they have a whole offseason. And a whole season together for this group, which was also upgraded with guys like Gabe Vincent and Christian Wood, to be that much more cohesive this year. So I think at plus 700, Perk, RJ, they're the best value in the Western Conference. Perk's face this entire well, time. Sit, hey, don't sit back. Look, he's sitting well. back gloating. You're about to fall out of that chair. You sit back anymore smiling. <laughs> Any team that has LeBron James on it, Perk is a threat to make it to the NBA Finals. I mean, no matter what year it is. So let's talk about maybe some teams that might not have a championship quality here, championship equity, but still worth sure. placing a little bit of a wager on. 
Yeah, how about I start with the Orlando Magic? Their win total is 38 and a half. I would play that over. RJ, Perk, I mean, this team won 36 last year. Pablo Bancaro was rookie of the year. Now, they have the Wagner, they have the Wagner twins, I should say. Jalen Suggs, Markel Fultz has proven to be capable. They're a well-coached team by Jamal Mosley. Maybe Jonathan Isaac is finally healthy enough to play. Like the East, but what are these guys got to slide into that 7-8 spot there? And I wonder if you guys feel that Orlando could be a team that makes a jump to 40-plus wins. I do. For everything that you said, I think they're well coached. Uh, Jesse Mermis has just been bumped to top assistant. Jamal Murray is an out. Uh, Jamal Murray. Jamal Mosley is an outstanding coach. And so, like, yes, as a mm. core and as a group, they continue to build. The only thing that makes me nervous in that space is if one they're one of those in-between teams. If someone gets injured, if something happens, they're like, yeah. screw it. We're going to go with this side, and we're going to go get our draft pick. So a lot of that hinges on their first probably 25 games of the season. That's where you'll figure out where they're if they're going to be able to give if they get off to a good start, then yes, I can see them exceeding that very easily. We have made, we're, we're going to make a rule on the show that we're not going to really start the MVP race until when? November? Oh, November? I refuse to talk about MVPs until after Christmas. Well, it's a good thing that we have Tyler here. An early MVP bet that could pay off is what? Jason Tatum, I think this might be the year we look at this Boston team adding Drew Holiday, Kristaps Porzingis. They could be that one seed in the Eastern Conference. And if that is the case, Tatum, who's going to average 30-plus points per game, uh, this might be the year. He was one of the favorites last year. I think plus 800 is his price this year. Big perk. I think it finally might be time for Tatum to make that leap to the MVP if the team lives up to expectation. You like it, Perk? I love it. I love it. I actually look. People think I want the Celtics to fail. That's not true. I just be being honest. But Jason Tatum at this early bet for the MVP, I actually love that. You are Tyler, a hater. You, my you guy, are we a hater. Like. You are a hater. Leave him alone, Tyler Fulton. Thank you so much for <laughs> spending some is. time with us here on NBA Today. Coming up next, James Harden. He was a no-show today at 76ers practice. So where does the franchise go from here? We're gonna tell you in 60 seconds. To the play-in. to our top story, James and the giant question. Harden was a no-show at Sixers practice this morning. He has yet to play in a game this preseason, although on Friday he said he was ramping up in the hopes of playing in Philadelphia's final exhibition game that's Friday against the Hawks. Now, there's obviously much more in doubt at this point. Kendrick Perkins, we have yet to get your thoughts on James Harden and this latest development. The floor is yours. I would, if I'm the Philadelphia 76ers, I would tell James Harden to just stay home. Stay home. Because the fact of the matter is, this locker room have adults in there, right? And they're unfazed by this right now. And so their focus is, is going into the season and trying to do what they do with what they have. And instead of being a distraction, if I'm Daryl Moore and I'm the Phil in the front office and ownership group, I'm telling James to stay home. Secondly, Daryl Moore is trying to trade James Harden, but his value is not what he think it is. If the Clippers are not willing to give up Trey Mann, and there's no disrespect to Trey Mann, I believe his Terrence upside yep. and he has a promising career, but he's Terrence Mann, I'm sorry. Terrence Mann, he has a, a tremendous upside and a promising career. But if the, seven, if the Clippers are not willing to give up Terrence Mann for James Harden, what do James Harden expect Daryl Moore in the 76ers to do? So, so I would send him home. 
for that very question, I turn to you, Ramona Shelburne. What does James Harden expect? Where do we go from here? Yeah, I mean, he's he's at home in Houston, and the team is essentially taking a stance of we need to find out why he was not there. It's an unexcused absence. So they don't know at this point. Yeah, there's not been a communication on why he wasn't there okay. officially. And then they'll have to decide if they're going to handle it the way they did Ben Simmons. A couple years ago when he didn't show up, they have the, as Bobby pointed out, they have the chance to, they, they have the right to fine him $2,500 for a practice missed or, or more so for a missed game. But there's a, there's a sense here that if he's in Houston, he's, he's not coming back for Friday. Okay, that's not how this is going to go. This is really only the beginning of James Harden trying to make the Sixers as uncomfortable as he possibly can make them over the next week as we approach the beginning of the season, and he is still a member of the Sixers and not the Clippers. So it's a a lot bit more that he can be fined if he misses games, over $380,000 for every preseason and regular season game that he misses. Richard, you've been on teams. You've had teammates who have held out, who have not been there who did not show up this all circles back to Joel Embiid and what happens next there if you're Joel what do you make of this well if you're Joel you're like here we go again another situation that I'm forced to deal with as one of the best players in the world and I'm sorry there's no relationship that you can enter into where if there's just year after year and again you can go back to the Tobias Harris situation then the Jimmy Butler situation and we've seen the success that Jimmy Butler has had then you fast forward to the Ben Simmons situation and we can say this while I everyone will say that both parties are at fault The way it was handled, a lot of the blame goes to Ben, but there is blame in other places in the 76ers organization. But they were patient, and they were able to bring in James Harden. So maybe they're looking at it like that. Maybe we can get a disgruntled superstar in a trade and bring in in somebody else other than James and then let James go. But ultimately, you're looking at a consistent thing here in this organization. And to me, if you're any player, not just Joel Embiid, you have to take a hard look at the history of a franchise and say, do I want to continue down this path? Do I have 100% faith in this organization that they are going to do what's right by the players, do what's right by me? So they are on the clock, in my opinion. Joel Embiid has a small window, maybe three or four years, that he can be still the best player in the world or in that conversation. So he's got to have talent around him. Someone who has been examining the, the history of this franchise and where the franchise goes from here is our Brian Windhorst. Brian, we're two days away now. I had to think about what day it is from that final preseason game. What do you expect to happen between now and then and even more so now in the regular season starting next week? Yeah, well, James Harden is playing the cards that he has been dealt. So now the Sixers have to play their cards. And they have one, and that's Tyrese Maxey. What Nick Nurse can do is name Tyrese Maxey his starting point guard, and they can move forward trying to make Tyrese Maxey an all-star, which a lot of people in the NBA, including me, believe he's got the capability to do. And Woj talked earlier, and he was very sage about how things change over the course of an NBA season, and they're unpredictable. Well, they might not just change in the trade market for James Harden. They might change in the dynamic of the 76ers once Tyrese Maxey has been given that position. And if the Sixers take off under Nick Nurse with Tyrese Maxey, and the retrofitted bench and Joel Embiid being the MVP, they may change what they're expecting to get in a trade for James Harden. So I'm not saying that they won't reevaluate this situation, but let's remember the 76ers are not without their own tools in this situation. They have some options, but where we stand today is James Harden is not with the Sixers. He has been in Houston for Ramona. You are reporting three days. Between now and tomorrow's show, what is the most important thing? Because this is a moment-by-moment situation. What's the most important thing for our viewers to know? Um, 
whether there's communication between the Sixers and James Harden's camp and essentially why he was not at practice. And then they have to decide what they're going to do about him not showing up. What are they going to do about the no-show? Do they start finding him? Do they start taking his money? Or do they let this play out even further? And that is what we are going to continue to follow as this continues to unravel, I feel like is the best word for it at this yeah. point. Thank you so much for spending an it's hour and afternoon with us. We will see you tomorrow <laughs> right here on the, the with Cassidy Hubbard. You can't put that toothpaste back in. <laughs>